Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. My first guest today is going to be Dan Johnston. We're talking about the importance of catch and release. That doesn't mean that Dan and I don't eat a lot of panfish or walleyes once in a while, but catch and release is important. Then Austin Wiggerman, he's a guide in Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota. He's only been guiding about uh, three years, young guy, but he's going to talk about how he got started, guides musky full-time, and how you could get started in a career in the outdoors. And then the one and only Scott Martin, part of the USA Bass team that brought home the gold from Portugal. He's going to talk about that. Great bunch of people on there as team members. But first, as always, this segment is brought to you by Syncroy, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So we talked about doing a segment on catch and release because it is important. There's nothing wrong with harvesting the right fish at the right time and anything you can certainly consume or your family can consume. But I think we need to do some self-imposed limits at times. Yeah, I want to qualify this statement um, on this topic because there's not a listener out there that likes to eat crappie, bluegill, or walleye more than I do. Probably just as much, but I'm telling you, I absolutely love it. Probably going to have them tonight. Uh, so that said, <laughs> I think we can go in, because I don't want people to sit there thinking, Dan's telling everybody to let everything go, because I'm not saying that. But no, not learned, everything. What I've learned over the years, um, and I'm really glad that I'm where I'm at with this philosophy, is I'm keeping what I'm going to eat. And I'm not I'm not abusing it. I'm not necessarily keeping my possession limit. Um, I'm not going out with three guys and loading the boat up with 45 crappies down at the lake if I don't need to. Um, obviously, we're following our state regulations. Um, we are, we're also very adept on the proper way to increase the chance of a fish surviving. For example, don't over exhaust it when you're fighting it. Wet your hands when you're handling it. Obviously, take a good look and a good picture if it's a good one and let them go as quickly as you can. Um, And things like that, I think, is important. Um, But I think what's important for me to explain, especially like these giant, giant bluegills, the big, big ones, takes a long, long time for them to get that big. It's a special genetics. They're very rare. Takes an exceptional food source. You just don't catch them everywhere. And To be honest with you, it saddens me to see buckets of those get loaded up because they are great to eat, there's no doubt, but there's nothing worse than going to your freezer and finding crappies or bluegills that you've had in there for three years and throwing them in the garbage can. And after a couple times of that, when I was younger, I'm like, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to start letting them go other than the ones that I eat, uh, which is quite a few. Um, And then, uh, you know, learn how to preserve them the right way, I think freezer bags and fill them up with well, about halfway with water and i actually freeze the fillets in water and they last a long long time that way but i think it's an important topic look at the quality of musky fishing and i would even say bass fishing uh it's as good now as it's ever been and i have to attribute that to more people practicing responsible catch and release i just don't see it as a bad thing 
No, no. And even, and if you're in an area and you you intend to release like a bass or a wild that you catch, if it's not going to make it and it's in a legal slot limit or legal fish, by all means, don't waste it. Take it home. Uh, yeah, like you said, we're not against keeping fish, but just kind of uh, keeping in mind doing it in a responsible manner so that we're we're leaving some so the next guys can catch them, our our kids and grandkids can catch them, that kind of thing. You you can do it and still eat fish as often as you would like without having those that you throw away in the freezer. I like your tip about in water. I've, I've talked to people that used to freeze them in um, the old uh, the paper, wax paper milk can- canisters, and they would put water in those and uh, freeze a meal of fillets and that. It, it, they do stay so much better. Yeah, they, they yeah they definitely do. I mean, I've, I've had them for a couple of years that I still eat, and they're fine as long as they're submerged in water when they're frozen. And and you know, I'm really I'm really speaking to to some to some degree here. My brothers out there that all that have forward facing sonar on crappies, and I have it too. So I'm not sitting here preaching something to people. Oh, shame on that, but you know, because I've yeah. got it, I use it, and it's lethal. And in the wrong hands. It can be really hard on a crappie fishery because right now they don't they, they don't bump like bass do. I can camp on them and catch almost all of them, and uh, it's ridiculous how lethal that presentation is. So you combine that with a ton of people loading their freezers up, and I can't imagine. I don't. I'm not being fact based here, but I can't imagine that's good for a crappie fishery because though though we don't just have to go to the typical stump or lay down or boat dock or hard target that's visible or even 2d sonar we used to find them pretty good but forward facing has completely changed crappies you go you're pretty much getting your limit every single time you go because if the pattern changes you just refine them and they don't run from it so as you know i i'm I, this, i'm saying this as a from a position of trying to be as responsible as i can do i keep them off forward facing and eat them absolutely but i'm not going to abuse that you know and i think if we if we all do our part and uh you know follow the limits and be responsible and do everything i just think it's it's beneficial for us and and uh and future you know future fisheries for sure absolutely and, and when you can um Tell the difference of big females full of eggs or males, especially with the bluegills. I think, uh, um, you know, both ways, though, on that. The, the male bluegills are going to protect the nest. The females don't stay and do it. So you got you to just be uh, sensible about what you keep. And I, I think the main thing is don't keep more than you can use in a reasonable amount of time. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I have had go out there and they'll keep fish that are a little smaller than maybe they should just because they can. And those are the ones that are biting. But, um, you know, take it easy on them. If you can do with 10 or 15 fish, don't fill a bucket with 50. Yeah, I agree, you know, um, but I would also say in the same breath, though, to all the listeners out there, enjoy those suckers when you eat them, because, man, are they good. You know, but, but be, be creative with the way you prepare them, and they're wonderful to eat. They're good for you. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And like I said, I'm preaching to the choir here. So um, it's it's a it's an amazing table fare. It's part of that master plan that we're supposed to do, you know. So it's all good. And, and uh, I, I think that also remember – like if you're if you get a fish hooked deep with something with like an Aberdeen hook, you can cut that line and let it go, and it will survive. I, I'm not going to say 100 percent of the time, but Dave, I, I can't tell you the hundreds of times in my life I've caught a fish with a cutoff hook, and it's y'all you, you see the eye sticking out of the 
of its gullet, you know. In other words, it tried to eat my bait, even though it had a hook in there and it's all rusted. And it, you, you don't just because a fish deep hooks something, especially just a naked hook, uh, that you're going to kill that thing. Yeah, uh, no. it's not necessarily going to happen. Matter of fact, I would be willing to bet if it's not a great big crankbait, that's a different situation. But if it's just a single hook, uh, the, the high percentage of the time they make it. Yeah, I've always been surprised of the bass that I've hooked, and they've sucked it down into the gullet, and I'll cut that hook off, it, cut the knot right at the knot, and I leave it in, and it's, it's, I'm in a tournament, and I'm putting the fish in my live well. I, dozens and dozens of times in amongst the pieces of crayfish that are in the live well, at the end of the day, there's hooks in there that I cut off and left in there, and they, they get them out somehow, and, and uh, they, they have a better opportunity of surviving without us trying to dig it out. I think that is a phenomenal tip, and, uh, you know, just, just why, common sense, I think, is what it comes down to. Yeah, some common sense and some just looking at the big picture and looking at try, trying to make everybody successful and let, let it give everybody a chance to catch them and also give the fishery a chance to be successful even more importantly. And I think if we all do our part, I'd say the same thing about picking up trash that you see around a lake, you know, or anything like that. Just if, if we do our part to try to keep things good to the best of our ability and we copy and paste that across thousands of people across the country, I can't see that being a bad thing. Nope, not at all. Line in the water, you could snag it, reel it in on your hand, throw it in your garbage can, or I throw mine in my cooler. At the end of the day, I clean that out. That That's a good thing to do. And I'm going to say, like what you said, I... One of my favorite things is stopping at a local gravel pit on the way home, catching crappies or bluegills for Taco Tuesday. I'll go and I'll catch eight fish and just enough for my wife and I, and we eat them that night. They're phenomenal. They're good. We pan fry those, put the seasonings on. It, it, there is nothing better than pan fried bluegills or crappies. That's why I get so jacked up to ice fish. It's one of the main reasons I go. <laughs> and and yeah, 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 me too. Because I don't, I don't tip up fish. I go when I go ice fishing. I go because I've called home and said, "Hey, we're going to have fish tonight for dinner." That's right, and that's good. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks again, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Look forward to it, Dave. Thanks. No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by Saint Croix. The best rods on earth, the We Fish ASA podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout. Speckle trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. Daiwa MagForce Z, similar in design to our SV system. Rules with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MacForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. 
We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA program. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say everybody I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He has become a guide in Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Austin Wilgerman, welcome to the program. First time on. Yeah, well, Thank you, Dave. Oh, always no. for having me on. It's always a blast to uh, uh, chat to you in general, whether it's at the shop or it's on the phone. So um, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no problem. So how long have you been guiding, Austin? I'm about to wrap up my third full full year full-time guiding. So I've done it, I've done it slightly on and off uh, since about 2017 when I finished up college. But this will be the third year full-time only guiding muskies, so exciting there you go so there's a lot of a lot of people out there that um uh, i'd like to say that you finished up college and then you went to this because there's you can always you can always fish but there's a window really that you really need to get that college degree and get it out of the way yeah yeah my mom uh i promised my mom and dad that i'd, I'd go ahead and do the college thing and and as much as i you know debated and and uh fought with them as it, it went through the whole thing i I always try to finish what I start, kind of a rule of thumb in the family, you know. So I uh, I got that done, and then I I moved up north uh, to Wisconsin for four years after that, got a job just doing stuff, paying money and having time off to fish, and it allowed for me to buy my boat and set me up for the, the random day decision that I decided I want to go down this whole guiding path. So it, it all worked out for the, for the best so far, and it's been an exciting journey. Yeah, and, and I think if you have a passion for something to be in, we do segments on here about uh, following your dream or, or careers in the outdoors, and guiding is, is one of them, and you know whether you want a podcast, write, guide, be a tackle rep, there's a lot of different things you can do, but, but guiding is, a, uh, is one of them, but there is no substitute for time on the water. If you're going to be a guide, you better learn the waters that you're going to guide on. Yeah, that's that's a million percent. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things that I I don't know that I ever decided at a at a real point or or too much earlier than making my decision to be a guide that I really wanted to actually be a guide. I just knew I loved the I loved the sport and I spent a ton of time doing it and it, it certainly shaped my my career and, and life and decisions on where I was moving after college and and things along those lines. So I I had spent just tons of time chasing muskies everywhere um aside from from where i was making my money previously and and when i decided that i wanted to do it it was it was all kind of a, a uh in in-house you know personal decision saying am i going to actually be able to get people on fish well enough to feel like this is a worthwhile uh decision and i'm not going to be wasting people time people's time and i have i have enough to bring to the table that regardless if the people that come and share a boat with me for the day uh catch a fish or not that i'm i'm leaving them with as much and of value information for them to take with them and uh and make it worthwhile for for my uh you know my charge for the day so it all it was it was all a semi-tough decision but when you spend enough time on the water and you 
get the confidence to feel like you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about, it's uh, it's worthwhile. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that about uh, uh, if the day was worth it because I, I, I guide for bass, I don't guide for muskie, and I, I've had guys say, oh, that's the biggest fish I've ever caught, and that's a great statement, but what's a better statement for me has always been, I learned so much today, and that means a lot to you, doesn't it? Oh, big time. I, and you, you nailed it on the head there. I mean, I, as much as you know, regardless if you guide muskies or not, you know that muskie fishing is, is uh, you, don't, you don't leave the lake every day catching a muskie. So I, I think as, um, as a young guide especially, but just as a guide in general, I've always thought that if I can leave them with as much information to go out and be successful in their own fishing um that that when i get those texts and those messages and those pictures over the over the years of them fishing on their own not in my boat um and the success has come from something they've learned while spending the day with me i think that's always what means the most yeah absolutely and and have you been doing some seminars for some of the the fishing groups as as you tapped into that yet off season yeah, yeah, I've been doing a ton actually. I feel like winter. Uh, people always ask me now what I'm do- what I'm doing in the winter, but I always feel like I'm just as busy, if not busier, in the winter. Sometimes, um, been doing a bunch of the seminars for the chapters, and I've done them all the way out to Minnesota for Brainerd, uh, the Brainerd Muskie Zing chapter. And this year, I know I'm uh, I got a slot in the Chicago Muskies uh, or the Chicago Muskie Show uh, seminar spot on friday so it's it's been an exciting ride i'm just it's just all based on how much energy you want to put into it and how much you care and hopefully how good of a person you are to build the relationships and and stay uh true to the sport and help other people out as much as uh you've been helped out along the way absolutely and and uh, if people want to get a hold of you what's the easiest way to get a hold of you austin and and maybe find out the schedule that you might be speaking at it whether it's a a a show or a group yeah, I got to get better at updating my website. I do have a website, Austin Wiegerman Guide Service, uh, LLC.com. Um, that one, it, it's, it'll give you a decent explanation, but the best way to get in contact with me is just over any Facebook, Instagram, or um, message. Uh, you can text me at 815-575-3468. I, I'm pretty good at getting back to people. Um, either timely manner or on any social media, Austin Wiggerman, uh, you'll you'll find out pretty much what's going on. Excellent. Yeah, and, and the social media is a big big part of it. The shows are a big part of it. How about sponsors? Do you have any people that you're uh, pro staffing for? Uh, yeah, yeah. This year I joined uh, St. Croix, which was awesome, um, and got that through Brad and Carrie Hoppy. They helped me out get that. Who uh, they are, of course, the owners of Muskie Mayhem Tackle. Um, Always, always using stealth tackle, uh, you know, components, leaders, rigs, uh, things along those lines, beaver baits. And I always promote Team Rhino Outdoors, those guys. Jeff is uh, just awesome. They've done a great job building that business to what it is. But there's just there's really good people in those those handful of companies I mentioned that whether whether I'm officially pro staff or not, I, I spend as much time and as much money through their products just because I'm backed by them. And I, uh, I'll, I'll hold my word against uh, their products any day. 
There you go. And, and I think that's important. You just made a good statement to uh, those that are interested in getting in the outdoor field, whether it's guiding or fishing tournaments or whatever they're doing. Uh, have a passion for the people that you're representing. Know their products. Use their products. Believe in their products. I, I don't think uh, that goes a long way in this industry, doesn't it? No, it, it for sure does. And I think it's uh, there's something to be said for using products like you just mentioned that you believe in and that you're passionate about. And then there's something to be said for taking any any deal that just comes your way just because it, it might make you look like you're uh, better than you are or things along those lines. I've been, I've been as focused on working with people that I, I respect and enjoy. And, and if their products are uh, top of the line, um, as well, it's only an added bonus. I, I would rather do that every day of the week than uh, try and try and fake my way through selling products for companies just because I'm on their pro staff. So that's that's something I definitely big time uh, am an ad- advocate for. Absolutely. So uh, we'll give this again. You, you said the number was 815-575-3468. They can message you, text you, get a hold of you. Are you still uh, got some dates that you're doing yet this year? We're getting getting late. It's almost November, but uh, boy, if, if the water's not frozen, November can be a great month. Oh, yeah. Yep. I still got a handful. I, I still got actually a decent amount of dates uh, left for Lake Geneva muskies. Yep. Um, I'll, be, I'll be out there all the way through December. Uh, into December. I mean, if there's open water, I'll be uh, getting out as much as I possibly can. So, yeah, definitely get a hold of me if you're interested. There you go. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate it. I'm sure it won't be the last time that we talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Dave. No problem. That was Austin Wiggerman, guide, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel, For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this weekly podcast is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. And I am proud to welcome back Scott Martin. The USA Bass Team just captured gold. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Dave, for having me. I'd say we just we just got back. Uh Literally uh, Sunday night, so I'm still a little jet lagged. Yeah, <laughs> six hours, diff- five hours difference, which uh, 
which was kind of interesting. You know, I would I would call from I would call I would get up in the morning at five five thirty, and and sometimes I could call back home and it would still be about midnight. My wife would sometimes still be up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that time change is is something different. But you know what? When they come here, it's the same thing for them. But this has been going on. Uh, what, four or five years now? You know, I'm not sure the exact, yeah, it's been about five years, and, and I tell you, we're having an absolute ball with it. It's, it's so uh, exciting with what we're doing. I, I'm, I, I, I tell people all the time, I, I, I said this yesterday to somebody, I said, what we're doing with, with the U.S. Angling and the FIPS ED and the, and the international events that we're doing, it reminds me of what Ray Scott was doing back in the mid-60s and early 70s. We're at the beginning stages of presenting bass fishing to the world now. And that is what is so awesome. So this is about our fifth year. Uh, you know, COVID slowed us down. I mean, COVID hurt us more than probably any anything because all of our events were international. So these other countries really had major restrictions on traveling for those two couple of years. And so we were on pause, but we're back with, with, uh, you know, we're back with full force now. And, uh, and so we've had a Pan Am earlier this year. And now we, uh, just again, finished uh, the event, the world championship in Portugal. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are surprised to hear I've us won the gold Germany, I believe had the silver and Italy, the bronze, but they're surprised to hear, the the amount of people that actually are interested in bass fishing worldwide but uh you're not are you you know no it's it's that's the most exciting part again is how many of these countries i mean germany okay let's take them for example they finished second they were leading it after day one and we came back and we won uh we tied with germany we won with the tiebreaker which is unbelievable so so germany fished unbelievable and here's the facts Germany has a bass fishing team, but there's no bass in the country. There's no largemouth in the country of Germany. Now, they have Xander, and they have pike, and they have perch, these big perch. When I say perch, I don't mean like little perch that we're used to in the United States. These are 10 and 15-pound perch. Yeah. They're gigantic perch. Um, so there's tons of fishing over there. They just don't have bass. But all the other countries like Italy and Spain and Portugal and, uh, you know, uh, everybody. I mean, we, we've had the Dominican Republic. Puerto Rico is there. Um, you know, you just on and on and on Croatia. Um, you know, we've had over the years, we've had just, you, you name the country, they've been there, South Korea. Uh, we've had Japan participate, not this particular year, but in other years. So, you know, you, you, you look at this and you say, okay, bass fishing is worldwide. You know, we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble here in the United States because we feel like, you know, we've obviously are the, 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 the founders of tournament bass fishing, right? But, but, but because we're in a bubble, we don't think that anyone else is doing it. But when we go to these other countries, you know, they all have bass boats. They all have live scope, Garmin live scope and really good trolling motors. And they have the same rods and reels and really good tackle. Matter of fact, they almost have better tackle than us. A lot of that stuff is that European stuff and some of the Japanese stuff those guys have and they have access to. It's pretty amazing. So it is it is cool to see the passion, uh, you know, when, when we travel like this. I mean, these anglers are very good. They're very passionate. And, and this sport is, again, it, it's the beginning stages now of growing this worldwide. But I'm excited about where it's going. Yeah, and, and it is, uh, for those listeners that don't know, this is the attempt and the pathway to getting bass fishing as an Olympic sport. Right, that's how the whole thing started. You know, we, 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 
we want to see fishing, bass fishing as an Olympic sport. And to do that, you have to, some of the prerequisites is you have to have uh, a certain amount of countries around the world um, and continents that, 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 that can participate in that sport. And that's what we're doing. We've, we've, we've proven to the Olympic committee that we have the participation level there from every country. Uh, and so we've crossed that bridge and now we, you know, we follow the Olympic rules. There's all types of, um, Olympic committee rules that we have to follow and scoring and the way that we do things. And even we have to do drug tests, like, you know, in the Olympic sports, you know, there's, there's a chance that you could be on some type of steroids or yeah. some type of performance enhancing drugs. And, and we have to follow the same guidelines. I mean, not that I think anybody's doing steroids and bass fishing, but, but the performance enhancing drugs are all that screened as well. So, you know, it, this is really, it's really a super professional, um, very straightforward way of, of, of bass fishing in these tournaments. And, and again, we're doing point systems and, and medals and, and it's, it's just, it's really exciting. Yeah, and this isn't like fishing a tournament where you're winning, uh, even if it's a $100,000 or $200,000 tournament, you're fishing for your country. How exciting is that? It, it really is. You know what? It, it is a breath of fresh air. Look, we all need money to make the world round, but it is refreshing. I will say this. With all the chaotic things that are going on in bass fishing today in the United States, with Major League Fishing and Bassmaster and MPFL, all the different things that are going on, and who's fishing where, what are the payouts, and what, what are the entry fees, and all the different questions and things that we have to deal with over here all the time, um, where we've made bass fishing all about the money. <laughs> We're fishing for no money. We're fishing literally for a country. We're fishing for a gold medal, a silver medal, or a bronze that goes around our neck, and that's it. That is it. So we, there is no money to be made in these things. The organization, our, our team's not making a bunch of money. We have sponsors, and we're so so thankful for them. But all that money, 100% of that money that we get, uh, and it's not a lot, the support we get from our sponsors is the, is the only reason we're able to travel to a country like Portugal and stay over there for a week and participate in the event because there are entry fees. We still have to pay entry fees and participation fees to fish in these events, and we have to rent boats because, you know, we're not right. driving our our rigs over there. So we're renting boats from, from some of the people in the country and we have to, you know, stay in different places and all the rooms and all the, all the food. So all that, you know, is big expenses, but there's no money to be won in these events. But, but again, it, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to be, believe it or not. I mean, it would be nice to have some winnings of course, but I tell you, there's something special about not, not worrying about it. You know, just going over there and fishing for your country. Yeah, how great is that? Scott, I got to take a quick break for some uh, sponsors of the We Fish ASA podcast, and we'll come back with some more talking about the USA Bass Team with Scott Martin. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. We'll be right back. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube but I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact, every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. 
St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Daiwa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Dial. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz here with Scott Martin talking more about the USA Bass team. How exciting is this now for, you know, the high schoolers and the collegiate kids have gotten into this fishing game, but now with the opportunity that they could possibly be representing their country, how exciting do you think they are about that? I think they're very excited. You know, we had a very great opportunity in the Pan Am this year, which we won gold out of Hot Springs there on Lake Hamilton. And, um, you know, we had we had eight teams representing Team USA, and we had Hillary, my daughter, uh, participating in the event alongside with my father as well. So we mm-hmm. had three generations of partners in that event. It was awesome. But Hillary was representing the University of Alabama fishing team. And um, and so we won gold medal. So, so the University of Alabama fishing team basically got a gold medal so they're represented there and so our vision our vision going forward especially with some of the pan am events is to include some of these college uh anglers and potentially even high school anglers at some point depending on how this all shakes out but um but yes it's it's awesome i i think i think as more and more people see what we're doing um, hear about it, read the articles, listen to the podcasts about it. And of course, we're filming everything as well. So on my YouTube channel, uh, everything's recorded and we post, you know, the whole video series as well. So people can go and watch. Uh, the, the, the gold medal in Portugal is not up yet on the channel, uh, but it will be in the next week or so. Um, but right now is the Pan Am events that we had at Lake Hamilton. So if anybody want to listen to this, they want to jump over and check out the Pan Am event. It's up on our YouTube channel, Scott Martin Challenge, and they can watch day one and day two of that event. And um, and, and that was a hard-fought battle as well to win gold. So, you know, it, it's really cool. You know, it's neat to be able to uh, build a team. You know, we this year we had the ability to have Jacob Wheeler be a big integral part of the team. Dustin Connell, they were, they're both Jacob and Dustin were, were teammates, mm-hmm. and they fished in this event. And then you had a legend like David Fritz, and you had Fred Rubanis, which won gold last year at Lake Murray. Yeah. You know, he was team two. And then, of course, Scott Canterbury and I, we've, we've been uh, kind of a team since the beginning. We've done real well over the years. Uh, that we've, we've been fishing it since the very beginning together. And him and I have a great dynamic. You know, it's, I think we're a great team. I think, I, think, I think we are, like, possibly the best team because we don't battle each other out on the same technique. Like, like he, is a, he is a jig spinnerbait, buzzbait, meat and potatoes. Like when he gets dialed in on like a jig bite or a buzzbait bite, I mean, like I just turn him loose. Like I just like go to the front and just do your thing, bro. Yeah. Because he'll just go slam them. And then at the same time, I'm that little, I'm that guy that likes, that I can obviously go do all that, but I'm the guy that likes to tinker with the little tricky stuff. You know, I might be throwing the spy baits and the and the and the custom little jerk bait or some special little lure just to kind of get those extra bites so those those tough days that that that, that jig bite's not working we can always fall back on something that i might have confidence in 
with the little finesse technique type stuff, and he he can jump right in on that too. So he's he has the ability to fish right alongside him. But we're not we're not fighting each other's patterns or techniques. So it's a I think we're a dynamic duo. Um, you know, we did really well this year in the event. Um, if we'd had a little bit better bag on day one, uh, I think we could have pulled off uh, a gold medal. We ended up catching the biggest bag on day two, and that really sealed the deal for us. We were really really blessed. To, if we would have come in with that good bag. Team USA would not have won gold. So um, our little our little uh, bag on day two, or our good bag on day two, I should say, sealed the deal for Team USA. And uh, we came in clutch at the last minute there. Nothing wrong with that. I like that idea. And if for you guys that are out there, team fishing as a team, listen to what Scott's saying. Don't fish the same baits. You got a power guy in the front. You got a finesse guy in the back. You make it work. And obviously, if one or the other is, is excelling, you can switch. But I think you yeah. just gave every team competition in the country a really good tip if they're listening exactly like i said don't fight don't you know i'm not going to get up there and, and fight him on his strong points and he's not going to fight me on mine but he, but i can slide right in with him and pick a jig up when i need to and he can slide right in beside me with the finesse stuff when i get that bike dialed in so it's been it's been we're a good team Absolutely. So this whole thing couldn't have happened without the explosion of what social media is to the fishing world and the every world today. All these countries come together and they're seeing what other people are doing and seeing that, hey, this is something I want to do. They develop a passion for it. They want to do it. Without social media, none of this takes place. No, of course not. You know, and, and, and when you look at when you look at these other countries, they're all very active on social and Facebook and and there, and you know, and here's a neat thing. So when we first did this, started doing this five or six years ago in South Africa was our first tournament. We went to South Africa, and we had our we had our uh, my camera guys come with us. And I want to say there might have been one other country that had um, some camera guys with them, or I think South Africa was filming some of the events. Mm -hmm. But we had our own camera crew. And then then the next time the next time we went to um, to Mexico, there might have been our camera guys and maybe one other country that had a camera crew with them filming all of their stuff. And then fast forward to today, you know, this past event, there was, I want to say five or six countries that had a full time camera guy following their country, their teammates around filming and documenting everything they're doing. And of course they're posting it on their social media and their YouTube channels. And so, you know, that's the progression that you need to grow the sport because now people are going to be in Germany watching these videos, watching these social posts and saying, wow, that is so cool. I want to get involved in that. So that's how we grow the sport. We grow it through social, we grow it through YouTube. And, uh, and now that these other countries are really seeing the value in that, you know, this, this is, this is going to turn into a big, big deal. I'm excited that I'm part of it. Yeah, no, it, it's fun. It's exciting. And, and uh, where's the next event? Do, do they plan these out several years in advance? They do. So our Pan Am next year is going to be in Canada. We don't know the exact location yet, but I hear I hear it's going to be a really good, really good smallmouth fishery. Um, so that'll be in October time. No, maybe uh, I'm not sure the exact time. August, maybe time frame for that yeah, Pan Am. Yeah. And then we go to Italy. We're going to go to Italy next year to and fish a lake right outside of Rome. And it's a volcanic lake. I forget the name of it, but it's a volcanic lake. So it's a round lake. Um, I have zero idea what to expect. Um, but, but it's cool. You know, we're going to be fishing right outside of Rome. I mean, think about that for a minute. Like I'm going to be fishing on a lake that for, for thousands of years, people fought battles, like the history. Think about that. The history, these are not man-made lakes. These are volcanic natural lakes. Imagine the battles and the things that went on that close to Rome 
over the centuries, you know, and I'm going to be on that lake fishing in a bass tournament. And one of the cool things about fishing these different countries is that these fish, they, they act different. They act different. They, 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 they don't look different, but they act different because they eat different types of food. They don't have like shad. And for example, South Africa, there are no shad. So you think of a white bait, you know, you think, oh, I'm going to go to South Africa. I'm going to throw a white spinner bait or a white crank bait. And you go, well, they don't bite it that good. Why? Because there's no white bait fish for the most part there. And then when you go to Portugal, there are bait fish, but they look different. They're not the same profiles. So you have to understand the forage and the way that these fish react and the way that they ambush the prey in these in these different countries because they are different. As much different as our lakes are in the United States from going from Florida to Georgia or to Texas and how those fish act or react different. Imagine across the world how different they act. Yeah, that, and that's pretty neat. I, I was wondering about that. How many days practice do you get when you go somewhere like that? Two days. We get two days on the water. Which and, isn't a lot. Uh, We're in a boat that you haven't run and and having to change techniques that you, you yes. know, um, you can do some research, I'm sure, and have an idea. But, boy, that two days does not seem like a lot. No, it's not a lot. That's the official practice. We actually came in a few days early before the lake was shut down. They do have the ability to fish the lake beforehand. Uh, the week before, and so we did spend a couple days on the water before, and then it goes off limits for the weekend, and then we just kind of sightseed and did the did the the touristy stuff, and then practice started again on Tuesday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the lake was shut down for those three days, but we did sneak in a couple days of practice, which was beneficial to us, and I think a lot of countries did the same thing, uh, just to get in a little bit extra time. Yeah, why wouldn't you get to go to a bucket list place like uh, like Portugal that for fishing next year, Canada, the year after that, Italy. Scott, I appreciate the time and uh, congratulations again to USA Bass Team for winning gold. And it's just so interesting that this is even happening. And uh, thanks for being part of it. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again sometime yeah, absolutely. soon. absolutely. One other thing before we go, if anybody's listening to this and they would love to support us again, we're not getting payouts here. There's no payrolls. No yeah. one gets paid any money. It's all strictly we're self-funded 100%. Uh, and the only thing that we have for the fans to help out with is we have some hats, some USA Bass hats. Okay. So if anybody's listening to this and they say, you know what, I'd love to help uh, the organization, uh, go to USA Bass Org and check out the website. There's a place you can buy hats. So if you're if you're a shop owner and you say, hey, I think I could sell 15 or 20 of these hats at my local tackle shop. Buy them and resell them for us. I appreciate that very much. And if you're just an individual that wants to show some support, pick up a hat or two, go jump over there and check it out. That'll help us with tons. Excellent. USABass.org. Buy a hat. Thank you, Scott Martin. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. No problem. That was Scott Martin. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I'd also like to thank St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and Iowa. They've got your bass covered. Thanks again to my guests for another great episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Thank you to Dan Johnson talking about the importance of catching and releasing and the importance of enjoying a good meal of fish. Thanks, Austin Wiggerman, for giving us some insight on becoming a guide. you got a long career in front of you. Uh, Good luck with the muskies. Thanks for uh, being on. I'm sure you'll be on again in the future. And you just heard from Scott Martin, part of the USA Bass Team. 
They brought home the gold from Portugal. What a great opportunity for bass fishing to become an Olympic sport. It's heading in that direction. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast again next week. But until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it.